Say, today, today I, will hear, I will hear and I will learn and I will grow in Jesus' name. Now, we're going to pray. We're going to continue with Trees of Righteousness. We began last Sunday. How many of y'all enjoyed last Sunday morning? You thought that was worth coming to church for? Well, today will be the same, only better. Amen. Because we're building. One of the things that I have, that I'm endeavoring to do with you is to teach you the Word. Jesus, the Bible says God sent His Word and healed them. The Word, your lack of Word, is one of the reasons why your life is where it is, either lack of it. And there are things in the Bible you need to know. Satan hates your Bible. And the one on your phone, you might want to get a paper edition so you can mark it up. And we'll say that one more time. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Personalize your Bible. Whenever I'm preaching and I go to a scripture, get you, um, get you highlighters, yellow, orange, pink. Why is that? Because when you go back there, the message returns to your soul. And your Bible becomes your Bible. You, when you're looking for things, well, where was that scripture? Just, you'll find it. You may not remember the number, but you'll remember the color. And that's how I remember scriptures. It's orange or it's green. It's got a star by it. And so if, you, if, if I'm helping you and you hand me your Bible, I can't help you. Because I don't know what scripture I was talking about. I just know the color of it. Amen. But anyway, I take my Bible and I personalize it, and, 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 and that helps me with my life. What I, what I want to do today is go back over some foundational stuff, go back over some basics. And, and, um, and there's a reason for that, because in our society today, there's a, lot, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people that have never even heard the basics. And where I'm going, I'm finding people that don't, they don't know kindergarten Christian. And they've been in church all their life. And that's a sad, that's sad. Plus, it's good for us. Amen? So in Isaiah chapter 61, I'm going to start reading with verse 1 and just give a foundation for what I'm going to preach today. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. This is the passage Jesus in Luke 4 opened up and said it was about him. And uh, he, in his own church, he read this. He said, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console all who mourn in Zion, to give them, that would be us, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they, talking about you and I, may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus coming to the earth would create a people who would be referred to as trees of righteousness. The subject on righteousness is the single most misunderstood subject in the Bible. And it is the single most elementary subject in the Bible. Now isn't that amazing? Would that shock you? Now people, go. I want you to go to Romans chapter 3. People, everywhere that you go outside of this church and everywhere you go and you bring up righteousness, 
they will all be able to quote Romans 3.10. They may not know anything in their Bible anywhere, but they know about Paul's thorn and you're not righteous. Amen. I mean, heathen know the scripture. Church people, the mouse at church knows the scripture. There was a preacher one time, and um, he got a mice in his church, and he, and he didn't know what to do about it. The, 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 every time he come in, mice running everywhere. And one day he got an idea. He baptized them and made them members. <laughs> he never saw another one again. <laughs> That's just a joke. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Romans chapter 3. People are funny, aren't they? I want to read this to you. Um, and, and, and then, well, get ahead of myself. I'm going to read this, and before I do, let me explain to you what I'm reading. When you hear the phrase, there is none righteous, no, not one, that is in the New Testament. It was written by Paul. But it is not written about you. It was not written about you. It, the, the book of Romans was written for this one reason. Paul is making an argument that righteousness is by faith, not by law. He did not say that you're not righteous. What he did say was that nobody outside of Jesus Christ is righteous. So when he's writing a scripture about a sinner then you have to understand he wasn't talking to you. Now, then why, why did this become prominent in America? Well, I don't know how many of y'all are here that remember the 50s. Barbara remembers the 50s. Um, Betty Mae remembers the 50s. Melanie, no, she don't know squat about the 50s. But there was a time in America where people were more moral naturally. It, when you went to school, the, the books were on, the, the, the books they taught you to read were about good and bad. The cowboy movies, there was all about a good guy and a bad guy. I mean, everything was about right and wrong, and even sinners had a moral conduct. Well, we had churches full of people who were moral and not born again. And the preacher, rightly so, stood up and preached for them. There is none righteous, no, not one. And he's talking about the fact that just because you're a good person doesn't mean you're a Christian. And during the time that he was preaching that, and the time America was preaching that, that was a right sermon. But in America today, we have flip-flopped. We got people who are saved, and they act more like the devil than the devil. And, and we've really flipped this thing to where, you know, I mean, I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter how I live. So we've really, we really messed things up. But where that came from was, was probably good preaching at the time. But most people walked out of church and go, well, there ain't nobody righteous. No, not one. So I'm going to read it to you. And um, we're going to take off from there. Verse 3, verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Verse 11, there's none who understand, none 
who seeks God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. Their tongue, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Is that you? No. Say no. no. It, it's not you. But he's, he's showing you a lost person. Anyone, that, if you're here today and Jesus is not Lord, that's you. Okay, now look at the next verse, which is very, very important. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those under the law, so that every mouth will be stopped and the world becomes guilty before God. So what, what does that do when we preach? Well, we have somebody, we, we, one Wednesday night I came here and I did a, a video on a, a, a Southern Baptist preacher who died and went to heaven, came back. And he said that while he was there, the 15 minutes, 50 people walked into heaven, 50 out of 1,000. Two and a half percent of the people that die in the earth go to heaven. Two and a half percent. That's sad. That's not, that's not, that's not real good. Okay, so you need to look at me right now and go, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're in that going, we're leaving here and going home crowd. Amen. Now, what is the one problem? When you meet people and you, and you talk to them about the Lord, they will go, I'm not bad. Outside of Jesus, yes, you are. You're not just bad, you're the devil. Because pride is a sin. And the fact that you don't even want to go to church, read your Bible, or even acknowledge Jesus as Lord, that's enough to send you to hell forever and ever and ever. Amen. And so you understand that when the law came, all it was to do, all its benefit was to show you that you need a Savior. So my question is, has anybody in here ever lied? Yes. Has anybody in here ever, now, I don't want to say stolen, but let's say taken something that didn't belong to you. Has anybody in here ever had an immoral thought? Well, then you by admission are a dirty, lot and lying adulteress. <laughs> Is, that's true. Outside of Jesus, you don't stand a snowball's chance in hell and make in heaven. There isn't any way. So the, the Bible was written so you would read it and go, God Almighty, I need help. I'm going to need a Savior. And you are going to need a Savior. And if you're here today and you don't have one, well, then come on up here. We'll get you one. We have a, we have a whole lot of them running around here. We, we can get you help. Amen. So, so Paul is making this argument because the Jewish nation believed that because they kept the law of Moses, they were righteous. And they never kept the law of Moses. And they nailed... God incarnate to a cross because they're just mean. Amen. All right, let's read a little bit. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, verse 20, no flesh shall be made righteous in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, what that does is it produces in you 
sin consciousness. All right, I'm going to read to you now. Okay, are you all ready? Because I'm going to read to you anyway. Say amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, now, y'all have no idea how much fun what I'm doing is right now. Because when I'm finished with you, we're going to get all the sin consciousness out of you and get you to a place where you're comfortable in the throne. That's my goal. So I'm going to tell you where we're going. Just let me take you there, okay? The man who fails to understand righteousness has no approach to God. So why do you think you walk up to someone and say, hey, go to church with me, and they go, I'm pretty busy. No, you're not. No, you just added lying to it. Ain't got anything to do with you being busy. It has to do with you have so much sin consciousness, you wouldn't dare be caught sitting in church with people worshiping God in the condition you're in. Hey, that's, that's like being a drunk and going into a police station. You ain't, I ain't going to the police station with you. I'm going to say, I avoid it if I'm a crook. And people avoid church. Don't invite them to church. Invite them to Jesus. Get them saved. And then they'll go, hey, I'd like to go to church with you today. All right. Now, let me finish reading this. The sense of condemnation has given man an inferiority complex that makes a coward out of him. This is sinners, all all of them everywhere. It robs him of faith in God, in God's word. Sin consciousness holds him in bondage. He feels he has no right to approach God. He knows he's not good enough to pray or have his prayers answered. If he does pray, it's always a prayer of desperation. And that's the sinner. That's a person without Jesus. And, and you need to understand that when, when, when they come to you and say, you know, oh, Robert stole all that money. Listen, forget telling him about tithing. He don't need to know about tithing. He's on his way to hell. Don't worry about tithing. Right. As a matter of fact, you give him some tithe money. Because yeah. he needs it. He's going to hell. Yeah. Boy, that's preaching. That's good preaching. Man, men have a highly developed sin consciousness, a spiritual inferiority complex, a sense of unworthiness that dominates him. He is ruled by doubt. He has, all he has is sense knowledge, a folly incapable of ever finding or even knowing God. Outside of the Holy Spirit, he can't even find Jesus, nor is he looking when y'all came, your mother was praying. Because somebody prayed you in because you sure wasn't looking. And your mother drug you to church. And you came in and went, oh my God, that's a, I just didn't know it was this good. Well, it was all the time. You just didn't want to come. Amen. The, that is the state of man before he's saved. It was my state before I was saved. State of Georgia, Amen. Well, by the way, the Bulldogs finally got whooped by Alabama. But I'm not crying. Because they're about the only team worthy to whoop a Bulldog. Amen. Oh, but if the Gators were to ever beat them, that would not be good. It would not be good. Just leave the lead. Put your mascot back in the swamp he came out of. Amen. Even a dog. You know, nobody has a pet gator in their lap in the living room. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Give me a break. (laughs) 
Poor old Tanya. She just, we'll just pray for Tanya. The Bible says those that are ignorant, be ignorant still. Huh? She ain't no gator fan. Oh, you look like you was a gator fan. No, 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 no. no. Seminole. Okay, well, that's all right. Not too much better, but it's all right. You know, someone asked me one day, says, did you watch any other football games? Who's there to watch? When you're number one, you don't need to watch anything. Okay, okay. Now, let's get back. A redemption that does not make a man righteous would be a fallacy. If you have a redemption that did not make you right with God, then what Jesus did was failure. And if what he did made you right with God, we need to rejoice. And it did. Until man is righteous and he knows it. Now here's, here's, the, big, here's the big kahuni. Until you're righteous, you are, and you know it. Satan reigns over you. This is your biggest problem. Because we got many people who are righteous. They don't even know what it is. Because they don't feel righteous. Or they've lost a sense of righteousness. Now we can't get into that because that's next Sunday. How to regain your sense of righteousness back to where you know you are. Anyway, you have to come back for that. But the instant a man knows he's the righteousness of God in Christ and knows what righteousness means, Satan is defeated. This is where you need to get to. You need to know that you know that you know that you know your God answers your prayers. Okay, Jesus did not walk around the earth going, I sure hope this works. <laughs> For the most part, the church has not taught even limited righteousness. It is a theological justification that does not meet the issue. God's redemption in Christ is the solution. It makes man a, excuse me, a dominant spirit where he is served as a slave in weakness. How can we obtain the righteousness that gives us perfect fellowship with the Father, that gives us a consciousness of being masters over the forces of darkness? You do that through the becoming righteous conscious, by rooted and established in righteousness. Okay, that's where we're going. I, got, I think i got one more I need to read. Sin consciousness can be identified as the reason for practically every spiritual failure. It destroys your faith. It destroys the initiative in your heart. It gives man an inferiority complex. He's afraid of God. He's afraid of himself. He's ever searching to find someone that can pray the prayer of faith for him. He has no sense of his own legal right to stand in God's presence without condemnation. That is the church in America. I can't wait to get to Benny Hinn and have him lay his hands on me. Well, Benny Hinn's not closer to God than you. But, I, but you, you, need, you need to learn that and get over there to where you know who you are and what God did. Okay, now, I, I, I was reading John chapter 3, um, verse 27. Go down to 27 and let me read and then we're going to dive into 4. Where is boasting then? 27. It's excluded by what law? Of works? No. The law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified... The word justified is the same Greek word as righteous. It's like he and him. 
she and her. They're two different words. They're the same thing. So when you read the word justified, people have said justified just as if I'd never sinned. They don't relegate that to something that happened in them. They relegate it to, well, God treats me like I never did anything wrong. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner, and now you're saved, and you're not a sinner any longer. But it's not by anything you did. Now, we're going to get into this next week, but I'm going to get ahead of myself a little tiny bit. Worst thing you ever do is to start thinking that you got you where you are. And you're better than other people. You are where you are 100% by grace. Unconditional love. You can't give love away until you receive it. Now you and I, see this is where humility comes in. I'm the pastor of this church and I've been here 30 something years. But outside of the blood of Jesus, I'm no better than anybody else on the planet. And neither are you. I don't have the right to rule and reign over you. I don't have the right to be judge and jury over you. Because the, because the only way I made it in was grace. If I made it in by grace, who am I to be your judge? Now see, when you get to the place where you think you're, you're starting to pick on other people, you've actually stepped above Jesus. And you will lose a sense of righteousness. Never mind. Boy, that's, no, I'm way ahead of myself. And I, and I didn't mean to go. I took you all the way in the next week and now I've got to come back. <laughs> this is one of the biggest problems is that somehow or another, we've always wanted to help God. But you did nothing to be made righteous. He did it all. And therefore, we worship him and not you. And you don't worship you. And that's why you don't beat yourself up because you're a numb nut. You were a numb nut, and now you're the righteousness of God. And you can, you can be happy in your own skin because all the people in the room with you right now are just as goofy as you are. And you're as goofy as they are. So now you want grace and mercy, then give grace and mercy away. That's what God did for you. He gave you grace and mercy. You didn't deserve it. So quit making everybody else pay for theirs. They did that to me. I can't believe they did that to me. I ain't talking to them no more. Maybe now you know why God don't talk to you no more. Woo! Way ahead of myself there. All right. Verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is made righteous... By faith in what Jesus did apart from the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only or is he also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who makes righteous the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. We establish it. Chapter 4, verse 1. Ha, ha, ha. This sounds like Bible school to me. Just enjoy it. What can I say then that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? If Abraham was made righteous by works, he's got something to boast about. Was he? How? How would he have been? Moses didn't come along for 430 years. How could he be made righteous by law? There wasn't any law. 
What did he do? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. We're going to study now how Abraham was made righteous since the Bible calls him the father of our faith. If he was right with God by the blood, can you be? And only the blood? It's all it took for Abraham. Come on, y'all. This is good preaching. You and I have got to get over a works. I didn't do it right. I didn't do it right. I'm not good enough. Amen. But that didn't stop. Listen, you got the greatest miracle you ever got was the new birth. And you were not a Christian, and you were a screwball. You had, no, you, you had to borrow his faith to get saved. You didn't even have any of your own. And if you got all of that as a sinner, imagine what God could do now. A whole lot, and he wants to. All right, let's talk, let's talk about Abraham now. This, I, this, this is going to get good. It's glory to God, Jesus is Lord. All right. Verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, now, we got to stop. Well, I'm going to read five in a minute, but we, we got to stop and talk about what he believed. Now, you, you, you're traveling around the world today and get in, in and out of Christian circles. Everybody will tell you that he believed he would have a son. Well, then why would he be made righteous by believing he had a son and everyone else had to come through Jesus? I'm going to come over here and preach. I heard y'all's brains turn on. Just Did he? Believe in Jesus. He had to have. See, that's why I'm preaching and you're not. I, I, listen, when I get done with you, the devil's going to be afraid of you. Because you're going to wake up in the morning and go, I've been made the very righteousness of God. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Daryl, let's go. That's what I call myself when I'm, this cuts my name. Verse 4, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, I don't know which one, as a debt. Verse 5, him who does not work, but believes on him who justified the ungodly, his faith is accounted as righteousness. Now he goes and talks about David, but you need to understand David wasn't born again, Abraham never got born again. That's another whole thought. Then how did he, how was it accounted? Now the word accounting is an accounting word. That means it's possible for them to account righteousness to you under the old covenant that hadn't happened yet. You have a ledger sheet and you can take money that's not yours and place it on your account because of faith in what's going to happen. And that's what Abraham did. 
That's what David did. But it isn't what you did, so it's not accounted to you. You've been made righteous. Okay, way ahead of myself now. All right. All right. Uh, there's, there's so much I read there, and I, and I can't read it all because I'll bury you. Okay, G- go to Genesis chapter 15. I, I just got to jump. I just got to jump over here because if I don't, then everything else I'm going to say is just not going to make sense to you. I don't want to bury you with my deep intelligence. <laughs> yeah, baby. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. I always wanted to be intelligent. <laughs> Genesis 15. Okay. So now we've got to look at how all of this happened. 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham and said, Don't be afraid. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, what are you going to give me, seeing I have, I'm childless, the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, look, you gave me no offspring, and one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came and said, this one shall not be your heir, but one that will come from your own body will be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, I want you to look at the stars, count them all. And he went, huh, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, 400,000. He said, that's how many Jews are going to be in the earth. Come in. And, well, and your, and your seed, we'll get into that in a minute. I'm able to number them. He said, so your descendants will be. And he believed the Lord and he accounted it for righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you the land and inherit it. It's still theirs today. It's not Palestinian. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. It's not their land. Never has been their land. There's no such thing as a Palestinian state. And those are the Philistines. And Goliath came from them and got his head knocked off. Now the rest of them are getting their head knocked off. And I know that if you don't understand that, you're watching the wrong news channel. (laughs) Station identification. Okay. Now look at verse 8. Lord God, how shall I know I'll inherit it? Now now let's think about this for a minute. Here's a man has no Bible and he doesn't have TBN. So he has no way. All he knows is God has come to him and said, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to, you're going to be the father of nations, hold on yard. And then he asks a question. How do I know you're not going to leave tomorrow and I'll never see you again? So here's my question. How do you make God keep his word? That's heavy. That's a heavy thought. Because that's going to answer how you're going to make him keep his word. You pray the prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus ground on the cross, rose and dead. And he up there and he goes, um, I'm God, not today. Tell him to go to hell. Can he do that? Why is it? He can't do that. Well, he can't lie. Why can't he lie? Okay, okay. I'm glad y'all asked this question because I got your brains running right now. In the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, God told them to take the, the, the Eve's leaves off and take them back to, what's that place in the mall? Victoria's Secret. <laughs> we ain't doing Eve's leaves. And he made them kill an animal and cover their nakedness with an animal. Now, the, the killing of the animal 
was to shed his blood. And Adam and Eve found out that the way to God when you sin is through blood. Now, a blood covenant is, is the oldest tradition in the earth. It began with God in the garden. It didn't begin in Africa. It didn't begin with an American Indian. Now, when, in order for there to be life, you have to take the life of an innocent. And God taught Adam and Eve that. Now, Cain came to God with vegetables, veggie tails. And God said, no, I don't want veggie tails. But Abel came with blood. Now, right now, the Muslims are running around trying to offer their blood you can't bring God your blood. He don't want it. Amen. And he doesn't want your works. He doesn't want anything else you have. What he wants is perfect. So let's, let's, let's read this. Let's read this. How do I know, God, you're going to keep your word to me? You're God. How do, if, in other words, if you don't, where am I going to find a lawyer? How do you make God mind? That's an amazing thought. And Abraham asked him that question. You're making all these promises. I'm going to be a father of nations. Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought all these, he cut them in two, and down the middle and placed each opposite the other, and he did not cut the birds in two, and when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. What's he doing? He's cutting a covenant. Wait a minute. That's only one side of the covenant. Does God need to cut covenant too? Mm-hmm. Say, mm-hmm. Stroke your beard and do mm-hmm. Look intelligent. When the vultures came down, they drove him away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And a horror and a great darkness fell on him. God is showing Abraham something. Is he showing him the cross? Yes. Yes. I'm going to prove it to you. I am going to walk this earth. And I am going to die on the cross. I will shed my blood. So that's what Abraham's faith was in. Okay. Now I'm, I have now I have to prove it. Y'all are quiet. Y'all just... Eighteen. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, said. To your descendants I have given this land from the river. And off he goes. Now, go to John 8. Go to John 8. I got two more scriptures to give you. And when I do, the, the light bulb is going to like OMG. I love doing this. I only get you all a little bit of time. So I have to make it very valuable. John 8. Verse 31, surely I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never see death. And the Jews said, now we know you've got a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. 
Are you greater than our father Abraham? Say yes. Who is dead and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me of whom you say he's your God. And if you have, and yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I don't know him, I'd be a liar like you. I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. Amen. When did he see it? That afternoon when God. Now do you remember later when God told Abraham, you take a, your son and sacrifice him? And he says, God, his son said, you know, where's the lamb? He said, God will provide himself. Abraham was fully aware of what's going on here. Okay, now let me say, and the Jews, you have not 50 years old. Have you been seeing Abraham? And Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Wait a minute, he just, he, Jesus gave us the answer to what Abraham's faith was in, the blood. Now go to the book of Galatians. Please bear with me. Sometimes I have to teach and not preach. And I want you to feel comfortable in the presence of God. Galatians 3, 15. Brethren, I speak in a manner of men, though it's only a man's covenant, yet if it's confirmed, no one adds to it or takes from it. To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He did not say seeds of many, but one. And to your seed, who is Christ? So what seed did Abraham believe in? What son did he believe he'd have? Jesus. That was the seed that was to come. Not Isaac. Glory to God. Come on. Come on, y'all. I'm unraveling something for you here. Been a mystery to me for years and years. This I say that the law that was 430 years later couldn't annul a covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ that it would make the promise of no effect. If the inheritance is of law, it's no longer a promise. God gave it to Abraham by promise. So how did Abraham become righteous? By believing in the sacrifice of Jesus. How did you become righteous? What happened to you the day? To him who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, pop it on the screen. To him who knew no sin, to him who knew no sin, Jesus became sin. He took your sin. So how much of your sin is left? None. Not a drop. You're sitting here this morning and God doesn't even know you ever did anything wrong. He took all your sin and poured it into Jesus Christ and nailed him to a cross and then said, when God accepts 
the sacrifice, I will raise him from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. And if any man is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. God don't even know you were a goofball. But you aren't just a sinner saved by grace. You are now a son of God, and you have wrapped up in in Jesus' righteousness has been given to you. It is the way he sees you. You are now the seed. But it doesn't work as long as you don't know it. If you have a million dollars in your bank and your grandmother died and left it to you and nobody told you, it's doing you no good. You have a Bible in your lap. This has been in there all these years and you've been running around singing kumbaya, there is none righteous, no, not one. I'm just an old sinner. And then you've been avoiding God like the plague and then God don't even know why. I haven't seen them in years. Where are my children? Well, we're feeling bad about ourselves. Why? Woo, that's good preaching, y'all. I'm on. I've been made. Righteousness is a gift. Well, have Merry Christmas. Let me see where I want to go. <laughs> this is incredible, guys. Let me just read. Let me just read a couple more scriptures. Just let me let me teach you how to be established. You must get these scriptures out and mark them and read them to yourself because they don't seem real to you. When I was in third grade and they promoted me to fourth, and I walked into fourth grade, I felt I'm not a fourth grader. What am I doing in here? I had to keep going in to the same fourth grade room for week after week before I felt comfortable in fourth grade. And by the time I got to the end of fourth grade, I felt like a fourth grader. But then when I got promoted to fifth grade, I didn't feel. See, you don't feel righteous until you've spent some time going into the throne room of Almighty God. And after you go, read the scriptures and go in. Read the scriptures and go in. Read the script. After a while, you're going, I got as much right in here as Jesus Christ. But it's not real to you because you're not practicing it. You're too busy doing stuff that don't matter. Okay, okay. Knowing this, that a man is not made righteous by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be made righteous by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no man will be justified. For I through the law died of the law that I might live to God, and I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I'm now living in my flesh, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God if righteousness came through the law, Christ died in vain. Now, listen to me. 
I read that in the Amplified. I read it in the, new, in the, new, uh, in the Living Trend. I, I, I got Bibles in my house, and I go by, and I read all these scriptures over and 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 over because I have a sin consciousness. I know I'm a goofy, 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 goofy. I got to get my mind renewed to who I am because you're going to act out the way you see yourself. You say, I'm just an old sinner. That's why you're sinning. But him who knew no sin, now wait a minute, sin shall have no dominion, dominion over you. Sin has no, Satan has no dominion over me. Now, this takes Bible reading to a new level. You're not reading it to gain points. You're reading it to get your mind renewed so that you can start thinking Right. Everybody who's ever done anything for God went through this process. Joyce Myers, Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland was an overweight, fat, broke pilot when he started learning who he was. It took him a while. He didn't just take off to where he is now. But he was as much righteous the day he was born again as he is right this minute. But his thinking, his old, dead, broke, fat thinking was keeping him down. And he had to get his mind renewed. Listen, you're not becoming righteous. You'll never be more righteous than you are right now. So I'm going to ask you a question. You going to heaven when you die? How do you know you're going? Well, the word says so. Are you good enough to go to heaven? Then you're good enough for heaven now. Are there sick people in heaven? Why are you sick now? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you right now. No, devil, you shut up, you foul thing. I'm not going to take that. I don't have to have that. I've been, made, I've been made the righteousness of God. I'm blessed coming in. Abraham's blessings are mine. You shut up. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. You say, well, you're just talking to you. Yes. 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 That's how you get rooted. Get your roots in here. Get your roots in this. Kenny, I don't preach myself slap happy. I have times in my life, and, I, and I'm going to get into next week's for just a second here, and I, only, only for a reason. Have you ever done anything stupid since you've been saved? Yeah, me too. And then the devil brings it up. You did. That was about as dumb as it gets right there. That's just about dumb. Then you go to 1 John. Heavenly Father, forgive me for being stupid. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And after you get through praying, you still feel unrighteous. And you have to act like he forgave you. And then you have to forgive yourself. And you have to quit beating yourself up for being dumb and doing something stupid. He knew you were dumb when you got saved. He knew it. So he put scriptures like that in there for you and me. And then next tomorrow you go back and go, I'm back again. I need to come to you. First John, I'm doing another first John today, Lord. Um. <laughs> in God good. 
then after you do that, you get on your knees and you say, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Without your blood, I have no right in this throne room. It's what you did for me. Thank you, Jesus. And you just sit and worship God a while. And I'm going to tell you what, you won't be down there long. And you'll begin to sense his favor. You'll begin to sense his presence. And you'll be going, thank you, Jesus. Now, let me get ahead of myself a little bit. This is the reason that God commands you to walk in love. Because the people around you need unconditional love. You need it. Without unconditional love, you're not going to make it. You have to know that you've been forgiven freely, not anything you did. And once you accept that, now it's time for you to return the favor. Father God, I know Megan is not a perfect girl. But you love her unconditionally. So I'm going to take all the love you just gave me. I didn't deserve it. And I'm going to give it to Megan. And then I'm going to give some to my wife. The people in our family need it more than anyone else needs it. Because we know their faults. Zach, I'm done. I don't know where to stop. I don't know how to unhook this caboose. There's a song out by Mercy Me called Flawless. I wished I had thought about bringing it in here and let you. We may play it next Sunday morning. Sometimes I'll get songs like that. I'm going to just put it in my ears and just sing to myself. Flawless by blood. Wilson, Flawless. Redeemed by blood. Righteous by blood. You're not becoming y'all. Isn't this good? Y'all are quiet, but you know, this is like a... (laughs) Sin consciousness will wreck your life. It'll wreck your life. Righteousness conscious. If you would only believe what's the blood worth? How much is his blood worth? You could say there's no price. You're right. But that's what he paid for you. Boy, how can you sneeze at something he paid so much for? How could you think so low of what he thought so high of? You. If he made you new, he didn't leave you 1% bad. He made you 100% righteous. That's a lot of love. I think the biggest issue is maybe if we just start loving ourselves. valuable. Oh, Salito, you're valuable. You're worth everything you paid for. 
That's good. That's a good thought, isn't it? I feel led to tell you one of my kids' stories. And then I'm going to close. Right after I got born again, I had a hard time with the love of God. I'm still afraid of Him. And he said to me, he came in my bedroom one night and he sat down and he said, you want to hear a story? And I always went like, well, sure. He said there was a man who was very wealthy. He had everything. He had a mansion, cars, boats, houses, jet, yacht, servants, land, horses, cattle. He had everything. And he had no children. So I went down to the local orphanage and the lady said, you can have, you qualify, but you can only have one child. And he went, okay. And he walked into the orphanage and he was sitting off to his left, a little boy sitting there with a baseball bat and a glove. Just wanted a daddy, just wants a daddy. And he thought, how cute. Imagine the stuff me and that boy could do. Take him fishing, play ball with him. And right next to him was a little girl in a yellow dress with a little doll. And she's just sitting there, and he goes, oh, how cute. She's just as cute as she can be. She, I could make a princess out of her for sure. Get her a canopy bed and buy her own horse and get her a Corvette when she gets 16. I mean, which is make her a Barbie. I mean, she'd just be everything. And he looked in the crib, and there's a baby in there that had just been born. He thought, maybe a baby, maybe a baby. And then he looked at the back of the room, and there's teenagers back there. Nobody ever adopted them. They already knew nobody was going to take them. They weren't worth anything. they just standing in the back of the room. They know they're going to get overlooked. He left the room that day and went, I don't know which one. How do you make that choice? He went home that night, and he thought about it all night long. He couldn't sleep the boy, the girl, the baby, the kids. Got the next day and went back to the orphanage and did the same thing again and again. Now he's got a problem. How you pick? Went home one night and he got an idea. Sold the house. Sold the car. Sold the boats. Got him a bag of money and walked into the orphanage. She said, which one? He goes, I'm going to buy the orphanage. I'm laying in my bed and I'm and I said, God, I don't understand the story. I mean, he said, you ever heard of the pearl a great price? I said, yes, sir. That's when I gave up everything to become a Christian. He went, really? When I found you, you were sick and broken. You didn't have anything. I said, well, that's true. He said, son, you're the pearl of great price. I'm God. I want a family. I left heaven, walked the earth, went to a cross and gave the blood in my body to buy you. That's what you're worth. Father God, I want to thank you this morning that I, I've, done, I've done the best I know how to do to take a truth from the Bible and make it real. How valuable we are to you. How important we are to you. And all that you did to make us right with you. It's not theology, it's, it's family. I pray that we would learn to spend time with you and draw near you, not like Adam and Eve in the garden where we're avoiding you. 
we realize that our debt is paid. All of our debt is paid by Jesus. And I pray, Father, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that does not know you, they're sitting in here and they've never asked you to be Lord, they would do it today. If there's anybody came in not filled with the Spirit, they would be. If there's someone came in sick in their body, that they would come forward and receive their healing. And I pray that as this, we go through this week, we'd pick these scriptures up and begin to read them and allow the reality of what you did in our soul. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have been awesome. Amen. Praise the Lord. John three sixteen through 19, if you want to put it on the screen. Praise the Lord. I know most of you know John 3.16. Maybe you haven't read all the way down. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He's not condemning you, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is already condemned because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Why do people say, damn it? She cussed in church. I think maybe some of y'all have said it once in a while. But GD, why do they say that? Because they feel damned. Damnation is on them, naturally. And if you're a born-again Christian and you still say it, you don't know who you are in Christ. You wouldn't damn yourself or damn something else or damn someone else. Because you don't want damnation on them or you. For the condemnation is this, that light came to the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. There's a man that's been working at my house for the last few years. He only comes and sees me a couple times a year. That's all I really need him one or two times a year. And this year, I decided he seemed really old to me. And he's not as old, near as old as I thought he was, but I think he's maybe from California. He's just, his face was really wrinkly. I thought he was in his mid-90s and he was about to die. And I'm like, whatever happened, it motivated me to go get, get on it. I can't not speak to him about God's love even if I have to just open it up cold turkey. And I did in front of a big black Tundra Toyota. I said, I'll call him Joe for your sake, to protect the innocent and the guilty. I said, Joe, and I explained very simply the message of salvation, very simply. And I said, have you ever done this? He said, I know about it, but not quite the way you explained it. And I said, do you want to make Jesus Lord today? He said, I'm not quite ready to take Joe off being number one in my life. And I had to stop. It was an honest answer. I said, that's honest. I said, but you know, there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And I explained more about righteousness and the blood of Jesus. And he said, I have never heard it presented that way. And he's from the Bible Belt because I asked him where he lived, so I knew what I was dealing with. 
a lot of religion. And I said, well, I want you to think about it. And I didn't rush him in, hey, say this prayer with me. He already told me, I want to be number one still. I don't want someone telling me what to do. I said, that's fair. But someone is going to tell you what to do when you go to hell. You won't be number one anymore. And so I had to be a little graphic with him because he told me the truth. So I was honest with him. And I said, Joe, you know where I live. And when you're ready, you text me because he has my number. And I, and I will lead you into the throne room of God. He said, all right, I'm going to think about it. Three days later, I saw him at Ace Hardware. He's walking along. I said, hi, Joe. Let me know when you're ready. And he just smiled at me, but I've been praying for Joe. And that's not really his name. So, but that's to protect him. So, this morning as the altar workers are coming forward, if you're here this morning and you never remember a time that you said, Jesus, thank you for the blood. Come in my heart. Please forgive me of my sin. Make me brand new. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.